Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Now it's time to take a sports break, a look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to this April 4th edition of the Sports Break, where we will go through some of the great events that happened on this date in history, uh, as well as some Hall of Fame birthdays from all the four major sports. And uh, we'll make sure we remember and relish the fact of these great uh, events that have happened in people of sports history. Before we do, let's make sure you're aware of our newsletter. We cover many of these items each day in our newsletter, uh, give you a little taste of what's going on for the day. It comes out every day, 6.30 a.m. Eastern, and uh, goes right to your email inbox, totally free of charge. You can cancel at any time. Easy to sign up for. Two simple questions. Just go to the top of pigskindispatch.com, jerseydispatch.com, and hit subscribe, or in the show notes of this very podcast to get signed up for your free issue of the newsletter today. Now, let's start off in hockey. On April 4th in 1945, it marks the birth of Doug Favell. Uh, he was born in Ontario, in St. Catharines, Ontario, and he was the first goaltender that ended up painting his mask. While everybody else had white masks, uh, this gentleman decided to paint his for a Halloween special, and it really took off as uh, people really loved it. He had it painted solid orange, but uh, just look at all the adornments that are on the face masks and helmets, I guess they are nowadays. Uh, just a tremendous thing so he was a real trendsetter born on this date april 4th 1945 now also wayne gretzky established a new record for points in a season when he had 214 with three assists in a 9-3 loss at calgary on this date in 1986 the great one number 99 set many records in nhl some will stand for a long time some are you know, gone by the wayside with some of the other greats that have come up besides him. But uh, definitely Wayne Gretzky is one of the greatest hockey players, if not the greatest ever to play the game in the National Hockey League. Now, over on the NBA side of things, uh, we had some great events happen in 1996 on April 4th. First of all, Chicago beat Miami 192 to win its NBA 44th consecutive home game over two seasons. It was also the 37th home game, uh, a re NBA record, to start a season. It was happened to be the next time they played on April 8th that this streak ended. Uh, Michael Jordan in that first game that went on April 4th also recorded four steals, become the fourth player to reach 2,000 steals in his career. Quite a testament to him. Also on April 4th, 1996 in the NBA, the visiting Boston Celtics, well, they knocked off the Orlando Ma Magic 198 in a real tight game. And it snapped Orlando's NBA record 51-game home streak winning streak against Eastern Conference opponents that dated all the way back to April of 1994. So this went on for two years that no Eastern Conference opponent could beat the Orlando Magic in Orlando. Of course, that's when uh, the big Shaquille O'Neal was uh, 
and Penny Hardaway were uh, roaming the courts there in Orlando. So they were quite a tough team to do. Uh, a year later, April 4, 1997, Utah Jazz Carl Malone, number 32, became the first NBA player to reach 2,000-point plateau in 10 consecutive seasons as the Jazz won 106-79 over the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, we have some other great events that have happened in this day. April 4th, 1974. Uh, how about Hank Aaron, number 44 of the Atlanta Braves, tied Babe Ruth's all-time home run record by hitting his 714th of Aaron's career off of Cincinnati Reds pitcher Jack Billingham, who wore number 43 that day. It was a 40-year-old slugger's first plate appearance of the young season, and he watched all four pitches before Hammer and Hank did what he did best, rocking that ball out of the park. April 4th, 1983, and what a memory this is. You know, the final of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. We had a last-second shot that has gone down in history. North Carolina State, the Wolfpack, defeated Houston 54-52 as they won with a buzzer-beating rebound and dunk by number 43, Lorenzo Charles. And then a desperation 30-foot shot from number 25, Derek Wittenberg, which uh, missed the mark for the Houston Cougars uh, the fi- of Phi Slamma Jamma fame. Now, NC Squad, if you remember, was coached by the late Jim Valvano, who gained notoriety after the famous tournament run by his team and ended up uh, succumbing to cancer just a short time later. And they still have the Jimmy V Foundation and still ESPN very much remembers Jimmy V in everything they do. And... We have a lot of things going on from the football side, too. Well, not a lot of things, but we have some things on April 4th, some history. Remember uh, back in 1998, April 4th, NFL Europe, which was the former World League of American Football, or WLAF, they kicked off their season. 1998 was the first season the league known as NFL Europe took place. In that important season, a guy that played for the Amsterdam franchise, name of Kurt Warner, set the overseas league on fire, tossing over 2,100 yards. And the league would schedule, would come to a peak at the 1998 World Bowl, played on June 14, 1998, when the Rhine Fire would defeat the Frankfurt Galaxy 34-10. According to the footballdb.com website, Kurt Warner, of course, would go on a year later, uh, come in as a sub for the St. Louis Rams, and the greatest show on turf and win a Super Bowl title. And he would be a Super Bowl MVP and I believe a league MVP that year as well. Now we have some Hall of Fame birthdays to talk about. Uh, first of all, let's go to the College Football Hall of Fame. Way back in 1891 on April 4th in Alpena, Michigan, we had the great tackle that played for the Wisconsin Badgers from 1911 to 1930, Bob Butts Butler. He was born this day. He was a stout two-way tackle that knew how to hit opponents and drive them low to whatever location he wanted to, use that lower leverage. And the Badgers were considered by many to be the top team in the country in 1912. And Butler was the anchor of both sides of the line. Remember, this is uh, playing two-way football there, single platoon. And many wanted to test the waters of how good the Badgers were by challenging Yale. But Wisconsin faculty gave the idea the thumbs down, preventing a 1912 game to take place between the Badgers 
and the Eli. Now, the Badgers, nevertheless, according to the NFF, went on undefeated, blowing out rivals like Northwestern, Purdue, Minnesota, and even Arkansas. And nine players from that 1912 uh, U of Wisconsin squad were awarded All-American honors in 1912, including our man Bob Butler, born this day in 1891. Also, 1907, we had another birthday from College Football Hall of Fame. In Lake Charles, Louisiana, we had Bill Banker, the great Tulane halfback of the 1927 through 1929 teams. And Bill was known as the Blonde Blizzard. That's a great nickname. And according to his biography, sketch on footballfoundation.org's website. Now, this moniker came because when the speedy light-haired back ran on the field without a helmet, most people saw that vanilla blur just go across the field. Banker was voted as the 1929 All-American, and he established Tulane's school records for scoring with 263 points on 37 career touchdowns, four touchdowns in one game, 515 rushing attempts in a career, and the most rushes in a game with 43 with an astounding 93.2 yards rushing average per game for his career. Pretty good stuff there. In his senior year, he led Tulane to an undefeated season, and Bill Banker was put into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1977, and afterwards he got in some Hollywood movies for Warner Brothers and later played pro ball with the Memphis Tigers. Now, we also had Chet Gladchuk, born on April 4, 1917, Bridgeport, Connecticut. He was a center for the Boston College Eagles from 1938 through the 1940 season, and a well-rounded athlete, uh, played the very strong center position. And in 1940, the Golden Eagle football team was pretty solid too, as Gladchuck was one of five College Football Hall of Fame inductees from that single team. He was inducted uh, way back in uh, 1975, and uh, just a tremendous player at center, again, playing uh, two-way football there. Uh, 1947 on April 4th, another birthday, Ed White went into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1997. Now, Ed, he played for uh, the California, the Cal Bears, and made all t- Pac-10 Conference three times, made All-America in 1968. And he also anchored that California defense that allowed only five rushing touchdowns in 11 games. His legend lives on in his hometown of San Diego, where a high school was even named on their field after the great Ed White. Also, this is a name that everybody's going to be familiar with, quite a college player and an NFL player, John Hanna. Played for the Alabama Crimson Tide in 1970-1972. And the National Football Foundation shares that Hanna was perhaps the greatest offensive lineman in the history of the game, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, Bear Bryant, his head coach at Alabama, said, quote, In over 30 years in a game, he's the finest offensive lineman I've seen around. And unquote. The Sports Illustrated 1981 called him the best offensive lineman of all time. And he made an All-American in 1971 and was a unanimous selection in 1972. He also, in 72, won the Jacobs Award as the nation's best blocker in his position, offensive guard. It was named Offensive Lineman of the Year by the Birmingham Quarterback Club, Atlanta Touchdown Club, and Miami Touchdown Club. Now, Alabama had a great record of 27-8-1 in the three years that uh, John Hanna played for them and two conference championships. He was named to the Alabama All-Century Team and Southeastern Conference All-50-Year Team for 1933-1982 through 1982 seasons. 
1999, he went into the College Football Hall of Fame. 1973, though, NFL Draft, the New England Patriots used their first-round pick to select John Hanna. He had a brilliant 13-year career with the pass in the NFL and was equally proficient at blowing open holes for the run game as he was a solid pass protector as well. The Pro Football Hall of Fame selected him into their museum in 1991, and he was All-Pro in 10 of his 13 seasons. He played professionally, four-time NFLPA Offensive Lineman of the Year, which he's even more accredited about how special a player he was. And finally, we have another football birthday. Jesse Tuggle, fine linebacker from Valdosta State University, was born. You may not have heard of Jesse, Division II, but uh, Tuggle uh, was also so-called experts did not have the size or the foot speed to play linebacker at a high level in college football. Therefore, he wasn't offered any but Division I level scholarships. So he played Division II and was all Gulf South at VSU and uh, for three consecutive years. And he gained All-American status as a senior. After his career, Valdosta retired his number 88 Jersey uh, and was named the athletic workout facility the Jesse Tuggle Strength and Fitness Complex. Jesse went into the College Football Hall of Fame in the year 2007. He did end up going in the NFL, uh, tried out with the Atlanta Falcons as he was 17th on their depth chart before he worked his way all the way up through the ranks to make it to five Pro Bowls in a brilliant 14 year NFL career. So great story there and uh, glad we could share that one with you today and that is just tells you about some of these great players and some of this great uh, stuff that you know you say it's in april and what could be going on april 4th in sports history well quite a bit and we are sure glad that uh, you could join us because we have some other birthdays on this date as well Baseball birthday, April 4th, 1924. The great Gil Hodges, a Baseball Hall of Fame first baseman, uh, played the positions of first base, a little bit of catcher, some outfield. Uh, Brooklyn Dodgers had him as their number 14 on New Jersey's. He played for the Dodgers in Brooklyn till, through, from 1947 through 1957, then went out to L.A. with the team for another four years. And finally, his last couple of years, he was a New York Mets. And uh, he ended up batting 273 for his career and 370 home runs and three Gold Glove Awarded Seasons Baseball Hall of Fame for that young man, that's for sure. Another great uh, MLB player, Scott Rowland, born April 4, 1975 in Evansville, Indiana. He is, was a third baseman that played mainly with the Philadelphia Phillies wearing number 17. Also spent uh, six years with the St. Louis Cardinals, or number 27 with them, and uh, four years with the Cincinnati Reds and a couple with the Toronto Blue Jays. Got around a little bit. He batted 281 for his career, had eight gold glove seasons, 316 career home runs, he could bat, he could field, great solid player. That's why he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, Scott Rowland, born this day, 1975. Now, we also have some information from our friend Jay Daniel. Now, we, he was the famous author of the uh, Suds series book that we talked about uh, not too long ago. Well, Jay has the site of 80sbaseball.com and he is gracious enough to share some of his findings from associated with 80s baseball and uh, he does every day of the year and he shouts out some happy birthdays to Tommy Hers, April 4th birthday, uh, the Braves uh, big prospect of the 80s, Brad Comzix. Um, he also says happy birthday to Jim Fergosi and Pete Hernandez, who also have birthdays on this day. And Jim Lickert, uh, also another great ball player, had uh, 
a birthday on this day. He also mentioned some transactions and trades. On April 4th, 1986, the Pittsburgh Pirates traded Jason Thompson to the Montreal Expos. Now, Thompson ended up going, only hitting 196 in 30 games for Montreal and was released in July. They didn't get too good of a side of that uh, deal. Uh, but April 4th, 1986, the Royals ended up signing Rudy Law as a free agent. The Reds signed Chris Welsh that same day in 1986 as a free agent. Uh, 1987 on April 4th, we had the Cleveland Indians sign Steve Carlton as a free agent. Uh, end up going 5-9 and nine for them in 23 starts before he was traded later that season to the Twins from the Indians. And in April 4th, 1988, uh, Jay tells us that the Minnesota Twins signed Tippy Martinez as a free agent and he made three appearances before he was released later in the month. That was sort of the, the end of his career, but a uh, great player nonetheless. So we thank Jay Daniels and 80sbaseball.com for that uh, great pieces of information. And we thank you for listening today and checking in with us on our websites, Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch for daily sports history, uh, football on the pigskin side and uh, all sports on Jersey Dispatch side. Tiny in with their uniform numbers. Uh, we also thank 80sbaseball.com. Uh, uh, the vintage uh, jerseys, vintagehockey.com, and nba.com for their input on giving us some insight, some inspiration, and some information to share with you on sports history. So make sure you check with us every day for some more great sports history at jerseydispatch.com, pigskindispatch.com, and your favorite podcaster as we bring it to you. So stay tuned as we have more great podcasts coming for you. So until next time, everybody, have a great sports history day. Sorry, but my pitching coach just called timeout and he's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to 
sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.